Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sure Look, Sure Listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sure Look, Sure Listen. 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 Very good, Benjamin. It was an exciting weekend of Star Wars celebration, which I paid almost no attention to, because as you know, no great Star Wars fan am I. But sure, look, we don't have time to hear about my opinions about Star Wars, because we've lots of things to look at this week, including my opinion about Star Wars, the new trailers for Ashoka and Star Wars Visions. We also see Simu Lee in Simu Lant, which I think... The only reason this is on the running order was that joke, which I've now stolen from you, Benjamin. And then, Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're very welcome. You're, you're absolutely very welcome. We've had a trailer for Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones, and we're sorry for that last one. And the long-awaited first trailer for the upcoming Barbie movie starring noted Simu Lant, Simu Lee. Lee. Yeah. Sure, listen, Michael, if that wasn't enough... And it yeah. actually, it's it's quite a lot. It might be enough. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think yeah. we might yeah. be okay. Michael, you and I are very excited about Nicolas Cage donning the high-peaked collar and the widow's peak of Dracula. Uh, and so we decided to take a look, Michael, at all things Dracula. Is Dracula even sexy, Michael? What is the deal with Vlad the Impaler? What's his What's deal? What's the deal? What's the deal with him? Benjamin... We could probably do a whole podcast series on Dracula. How have we gone however many hundred episodes of this carry on without ever talking about Draculas before? I think we probably have, Michael. I think we just have now. I think we've mutually agreed amnesia at this point, Michael, where we just kind of block out the early days of our our (laughs) podcasting adventure. Anything that happened more than 50 episodes ago didn't happen. Never happened, Michael. Never happened. That's my motto. That's my motto, and that's the Irish Defence Force's motto, and we're both sticking with it. Benjamin. Yeah. That was a sexual abuse scandal joke there for any international listeners. Benjamin. Good stuff, Michael. That's what people tune in to hear. Go on. (laughs) It is. That's what the international listeners are here for. Niche Irish Defence Force's sexual assault allegation jokes. Benjamin. What? Speaking of stimulants... What is what is Simu Liu, the world's hottest boy at the moment? What's he doing in this piece of Netflix trash? Michael, I'm going to I'm going to describe a film to you, and I want you to just tell me um, yes. what 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 it's what it is. You'll guess it immediately. Right, I'll guess it. Michael, Blade in Runner. the few. It, <laughs> was it Blade Runner? Ben, there was a whole bit, Michael. You do shit. the bit, do the bit, do the uh, bit. I'll pretend, <laughs> Michael, in the future. Yeah. Things aren't great for humans. Blade Runner. Yeah, very good, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of menial labor being tossed about, Michael, and nobody really wants to do it. And somebody says, wouldn't it be better if we just came up with robots to do this for us? And somebody else oh, goes, yeah. yeah, but robots kind of freak me out, man. It's like, oh, no, well, I'll just make them really, really human. And then you'd be like, oh, oh yeah. does that not open up a can of ethical worms? And then they'd be like, no, 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 no. We'll just limit what they can do. So they're basically just slave labor with a human face on it. And we just won't let anybody ask any of the awkward questions about ethics and slavery and cognizance. You know, we'll just ignore all that. Right, right, right. Could we have one of them look like Rutger Hauer? Yeah, I don't see why not. I think what the movie you're talking of, Benjamin, is the seminal science fiction movie, Will Smith's iRobot. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's it. You got it. You got it, Michael. You got it. Um, no, I'm actually talking about the upcoming sure to be classic because it stars Robbie Amell, and as we all know, <laughs> anything anything touched by Robbie Amell, Michael, is 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 bound for stratospheric success. What does Robbie Amell have over someone? What does he have? What secrets <laughs> yeah. does he know? I don't know, Michael, but it's fucking good. Whatever it must he be has great. is yeah. great. He's we got, he's got someone. Amell. Oh, he's got some serious juice in Hollywood, Michael. And I, for one, I, for one, don't understand it. Now, Michael, stick Robbie Amell in a quirky, bloody afterlife comedy, for example. Oh, I forget the name of the quirky afterlife comedy he's in, in a digital afterlife. I don't know. I've never heard of it. Is it good? I'm I'm dead and now I'm on a computer. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'll watch that. 
Michael, why does he keep doing serious sci-fi? Who keeps letting him do this? <laughs> Who keeps putting him in serious leading man sci-fi dystopias for some reason? And Michael, why would you why would you punish him? Why would you why would you stack him against an infinitely superior actor like Simu Lu? And Look say, no, act your heart out against that, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Act your heart out against this much more interesting person. Very, very strange altogether. And I mean it how is it not just Blade Runner? That's what I'd like to know. Michael, this is every significant AI semi-robot movie we've seen in the last 15 years put into one. This is a little bit of Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049. There's a mm. there's a dash of um, almost, not almost human. What was that other one? Ah, oh, my Black God, Mirror. why can't I remember any? It's Black think, Mirror. It's that, think... it's that episode of Black Mirror with Donald Gleeson. I think it was almost human. It, with no, the simulant the cops. One? But what's the, yeah, almost human. I was, okay, I'm on the money there. Um, yeah. And there's another one, Michael, where the fella gets taken over by a new AI implant and he's very good. He fights like a robot. What was that? Oh, yeah. Um, extract, not extraction. X, with the guy who looks like Tom Hardy in it. Yeah, he's a Tom Hardy knockoff. Logan something. Yeah, yeah. There's a computer chip in my brain, I think it was called. There's a computer chip in my brain and it murdered my wife. Yeah, and it showed me Kung Fu. It showed me Kung Fu. It's a little bit of all of that, Michael, by the looks of things. It's just a really piss poor, right down to the name Simulant, Michael. It's too close to Replicant. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, it's too, too close, close to Simulu. And Simulu is playing a Mr. Robot type character by the looks of things, Michael. Oh, yeah, 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 he would be, yeah. He's some he's sort there of doing a... web anarchist. Yes, he's he's there doing a hack. He's doing a hack, oh, Michael. Of course he is, yeah. yeah. Watch me doing this hack. I'm going to do a big hack this... now. Well, Michael, you see how many he, keyboards I have. Michael, he says, he says, oh, I just want them to have rights. You know, I just want the simulants yeah. to have rights. No, he doesn't. There's something That's sinister going wants. on here somewhere. That's all he wants. It. And for for some other unknown reason, Michael, Sam Worthington is in this film as an anti-replicant cop, a decker. Was that Sam Worthington? That's... That's... Sam- that's- Sam Worthington was just in one of the biggest movies of all time, Avatar 2. This time it's wet. Electric Boogaloo. Uh, yeah. Sam Worthington, Michael, is, is in this film as Deckard. Um, or or Sam- as Carl Urban. Or as Will Smith. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Pick one of your robot-hating cops from fiction. That's Sam Worthington in this. Sam Worth- Worthington famously hates robots, though. Everybody knows that. But it's the same it's not as even Will a casting Smith. choice. Or Carl Urban. They they all hate robots, Michael. Everybody hates robots. Everybody hates simulants, except Ryan Gosling. He was for them. He was all for them, but he wasn't wasn't originally, Michael. He started out not liking them too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was one, you see. It was kind of a self-hatred sort of thing, like you and being a white man. Yeah, oh, man. What I'd give to not be a white man, Michael. The the, the, The things my species has done. It would be great for the podcast, Benjamin. Benjamin, yeah. I can't remember the name of that film where the man, the computer chip, teaches the man Kung Fu. I'm going to have to look it up now, Michael. Michael, it was bloody Upgrade. Upgrade has him doing all the Kung Fu because he's got a microchip in Oh, him. there's a chip in my brain and I'm Logan Marshall Green. And, Michael, typically of this genre of yes. sci-fi shenanigans ruining humanity, there's a very unique name given to that one, uh, comedy starring Robbie Amell. It's Upload. Oh, classic Robbie Amell. Just his life is derivative. But Michael, let's be honest. Anything that Robbie Amell gets his hands on is going to get a slightly like something else title. Yes, it is, isn't it? Just anything that they put him in, just name it after something else. Benjamin, though. Yes. Speaking about upgrades. Go on. The whole Star Wars Rebels gang are real life now. Lads, everybody's getting a live action Star Wars Rebel. Star Wars Rebel, Ashoka, it's it's that, but now it's in 3D and real. Yeah, Ashoka. And it's got real people. Yeah, everybody's getting it. Everybody's played by real people now. Benjamin, I have seen some of Rebels. I have seen some of Star Wars Rebels, but not all of it. So I have to say, this trailer left me up the, up the river with knowing what was going on. I, I know some of the characters, but I don't know what's the exciting bits and what's the not exciting bits. Michael, there's so many sort of exciting things in this trailer. Uh, Ashoka's coming Is back there? first. Yeah. I so can't tell. <laughs> I can't tell what I was supposed to be excited by or not. So uh, Ashoka's there. 
Um, Michael and Ashoka obviously we got from the Clone Wars the Dave Filoni kind of early days she is Anakin's former apprentice uh, and now she she wields the L dual white lightsabers Michael and oh, yeah. as you as you know being one of the biggest Star Wars fans Michael a white lightsaber is very significant showing that you sit on the fence of the force and don't really fall on the Sithy side or a Jedi mm. side you're somewhere in the mm. middle a grey Jedi I think they were called in the old canon that's what they are, Michael. You know that because you're a big ass Star Wars fan. That's what you are. Big, um, yeah. B S B A S W F. That's balls. what they. That's uh, balls. You big old balls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's exactly what you are. Oh, ter- terrible, terrible work across the board, Michael. But um, <laughs> yeah, we got a we got a few more, Michael. I suppose the one that people seem to be most excited for, Michael, is we got a little g- glimpse of Thrawn. Admiral. Oh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, Benjamin. I know who he is because he used to be in the old books. Yeah, but those old books aren't canon no more, pal. They're Gonzo. Oh, no. So you can get okay. the fuck He's out of here. He's a blue fella. He's a blue fella. He is, yeah. He's absolutely a blue fella. Yeah, he's a blue fella. Um, not uncommon in Star Wars. Very uncommon in real life, Michael. Yes, um, unless <laughs> there's a severe case of hypoxia. Unless there's a severe case of hypoxia. Hoxia, Michael. Absolutely. Um, another person yep. that we got a little glimpse of, Michael, is Hera Syndulla. I know who um, that is. She's the pilot. She's she's the pilot. That's exactly mm. who we got to look at, Michael. She's a she's, Twi'lek, Ben. She's a Twi'lek, Michael. A famously... Um, Michael, I once had the misfortune of doing a little deep dive on what Twi'leks were, because I was like, what the fuck is this? Is it a race? Is it a... What, what's going on with a Twi'lek? Do you know one of the canon things about Twi'leks is, and I don't like it. It has very, very strong... Is that they've, they've got very sexy tentacles. They've got very sexy tentacles, Michael. Which, number one, very disconcerting. Number two, Michael, they are predisposed to servitude. Oh, very good. And are therefore very popular as a slave race throughout the galaxy. Oh, that sounds um, dated. <laughs> That's not great, is it? That's very uncomfortable yeah, yeah. for everybody. Very not uncomfortable great, for every no, not great. If your lads were in space, they'd be delighted by that. What do you mean, my lads? Your lads, your gang. Hold on. What? Who do you think my gang is? The white people. Oh, the whites. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my my gang, the whites. Yeah, I yeah. see, Michael. Yeah, yeah, I see how yeah. it is. I see how it is. Um, we got a tiny little glimpse, Michael, of. Um, one of the main characters um, of, well they're all main characters Michael in their own way but Ezra Bridger is there and he's the kind of main teenage character introduction character that we saw there's there's a few rumours that we're going to get a canon Jarrus but um, Michael spoilers here for Star Wars Rebels so listen away now he, he kicked the bucket I think in Star Wars Rebels I don't know who Jarrus is who's Jarrus? he was uh, he was one of the Jedi that uh, escaped Order 66 oh was he? Um, okay and he was in hiding. Uh, and he was voiced by none other than Freddie Prinze Jr. himself, Freddie Michael. Prince Jr. He was the fellow with the ponytail. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then I the remember o- him. Yeah, of course you do, Michael. Of course you do. And the only other person that we got, Michael, was a big grown-up version of Sabine Wren, who was kind of the cool yeah. alt chick um, with the funky hair in Rebels. So, Michael, I suppose if you're a big fan of Rebels, this is big news. Who are we, Ben, to yuck other people's yums, as the young people say? So even though even though this does nothing particularly for me, I can genuinely see how exciting it would be to have how old is Rebels now? Uh, it's, Rebels it's came old out enough, in twenty fourteen, Michael, and I got four seasons. Okay. So. so eight years ago it came yeah. out. So yeah. people who were watching Rebels when they were ten or twelve are now in their twenties. Adults, Michael. Exactly. So this is to to them what the Avengers movie was to me. Probably, yeah. Seeing their childhood or their early teen favourite characters on the big screen played by real life servitude playing humans. Yeah. Great. Slightly slightly grown up. Slightly grown up. Um, <laughs> Very to, exciting. To, to keep going. Yeah, you've got your old uh, slave centric race, the Twilicks. That's good, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Some That's of your favourites, yeah. I uh, one, of my, one of my favourite things, Michael, is the astounding ability of people to retcon things to fit uncomfortable parts of the narrative as opposed to saying 
oh no, we're just uncomfortable. So why did we so often see slave Twilicks in the original Jedi series? It's because George Lucas liked putting tentacled women in bondage, Michael. But rather than just say, well, we don't do that anymore. We said, oh no, well, genetically, they're predispositioned towards servitude. So that's why mm. you saw that in, in the original Star Wars Great film. stuff, yeah. Great stuff. Great fucking Great stuff. stuff. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. Yeah. At least there's another season of Star Wars Love, Death and Robots coming. Yeah, we're getting a second season, Michael, of Star Wars Love, Death and Robots. It's called Star Wars Visions Volume 2, Michael. Mm. This one's quite significant because we're going to get a few Irishmen to spas. Are we? Are there going to be a few? Well, there's not a few Irish people in the Mandalorian there on that fishing t- planet. Probably, yeah, probably. Remember that everyone seems in bo- their Aran sweaters. Yeah, yeah. That fish species was actually predisposed to famine, so that's why they were Irish. <laughs> Um, that was that was what that was. Uh, but Ooh. Michael, ca- Cartoon Saloon here in Ireland did one of the shorts. Did they get one out of here down in Kilkenny? The, the lads down in Kilkenny have been busy animating away and they've produced a Star Wars short, Michael. We're also getting another kind of beloved British um, studio. Ardman are doing one of them. Oh. Yeah, them off the Wallace and Gromits. Oh, they're doing a stop motion, are they? They're doing an L-stop motion Star Wars, Michael. We're going to get a few of them. It looks pretty good. Um, I don't know. I didn't see Star Wars Vision Season 1. I remember you talking about it. Did you like it? Yeah, I mean, it's just Love, Death and Robots with lightsabers. Love, Death and Droids, I suppose you could call it. I Yeah, I think that'd be a pretty good one. Uh, Jedi, Sith and Droids. Um, yep, that'd yep, yep, probably yep, be it. a decent one. And, Michael, come here to me. Look, it's a nice way to enjoy Star Wars. It's a risk-free way to enjoy Star Wars without somebody going, Hey, Cannon! Cannon! Hey, you! Grand Admiral Thrawn is blue! I think you'll find he's more of a dark navy than a light Azurian blue, as in episode six. This is ridiculous. (laughs) This is ridiculous. Star Wars is dead. Woke culture gone mad. So, yeah. Michael, there's a lot of Star Wars news this weekend because they had their Star Wars celebration, um, which I thought they had. Yeah, which I thought they had on May the fourth, but it's not. May the fourth is when they're releasing a lot of this stuff. For example, Jedi Sith and Droids Volume Two. Okay, Volume Two. That's when we're getting that. So anyway, look, we're getting more live action Star Wars, which I don't think anybody asked for. But yeah. The Mandalorian Season 3 doesn't seem to be doing very well. Oh, shit, Michael. It's real bad. (laughs) It's real weak compared to the previous. They've lost... They're too broad, Michael. They've lost the niche and they've gone back to... One of my biggest gripes, Michael, about Star Wars is destiny. And I've said this before to you. Mm. Everything is is destined to happen. It's the midichlorian steering the universe in one direction or the other. To which I say, what's the fucking point then? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if there's so much fucking destiny, surely all the Jedi can just sit back and go, nope, this is this is destiny. This is how it's supposed to work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one of one of the things we loved about the Mandalorian in the beginning was it was a fairly self-contained story about a Mandalorian. Exactly. It wasn't the main Star Wars story. But the and Mandalorian it, seems to be very gradually becoming this is the main Star Wars story. This is the main Star Wars story now. Do you remember all those characters that Dave Filoni introduced? All tied in. All together. Everything just revolves around the Mandalorian, Ben. There's even there's even um, rumours swirling that Pedro Pascal has had a Henry Cavill-esque butting of heads with the showrunners. Oh, is this another one now? Is this, Well, I would imagine, Michael, since you say... Well, this is a strong statement. But since you very much gave Star Wars a much-needed bolstering uh, with mm-hmm. your character of the sturdy bounty hunter who swept the galaxy with a heart of gold... Um, yes. I would imagine you would get quite pissed if all of a sudden you found yourself being written completely out of the series. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And the Mandalorian but, turned out to be Bo-Katan. Yeah, and now it's all about Bo-Katan. And that's that's mm. fine. But the other thing I find very funny, Michael, is at the end of the last episode that I watched, which I think was episode five, um, spoilers for two episodes behind now, but she was allowed to take her helmet off. So the armorer put poor old Din Jaren through all that. She was like, you have been exiled from the community. And unless you bathe in the, the mines of Mandalore, you can't come back. So he does that. And he goes through all the trials and tribulations. And then she turns around to Bo-Katan. She's like, you're going to walk in both worlds. It'll be you. You can wear your helmet or you can not wear your helmet. It's up to you. What a load of shite. you. Love you've, shape, got famous, you've got a famous face of Katie Sackhoff. Benjamin. Yeah. 
Speaking of Star Wars, though, the biggest reveal of the Star Wars celebration was that they're doing more Star Wars films with more Rey. Everyone's favourite character, Rey. Everyone's favourite character, Rey. Uh, yeah, so 15 years on from the events of the final Star Wars film there, Michael, we're going to be getting more mm. Rey, which is personally what I was looking for from the Star Wars franchise. That's all I've ever really mm. wanted is more yeah. Rey. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that you can find it. You can hear all about that on my other podcast, Michael Ray of Light: How One Woman Could Save the Star Wars Universe. Um, and that's that's my favorite podcast to do. And I just get on with um other Star Wars fans, and we just talk about how if we put Ray in all the other Star Wars stuff, it'd be better. Um, our <laughs> put latest in the Mandalorian, ep- <laughs> yeah, Give our us latest Mandalorian ep- armor. Our latest episode was about how Ray should play both Grogu and Din Djarin at the same time, and how that'd be Ideal. really great. Ideal. You mean specifically Ray, not Daisy Ridley, the actress no, no. who no one has anything against. Ray, Ray, Ray of Light. Yeah, it's called Ray yeah. of Light. It's not called Daisy yeah. Ridley of Light. Um no. Yeah. So Michael, we're, we're getting more of that, and um, the the internet's favorite shiptum, um, Kylo Ren and Ray Skywalker. Um, that's that's shook off the the hibernation stasis void and said, "Oh yeah, more Raylo. Uh, Kylo Ren has to come back if Ray comes back." To which everybody went, "No, no, he doesn't. No, no, that's I don't think that's how it works." Oh. Benjamin, Disney can just milk things until they're dry, can't they? It's incredible. Yeah, you get blue milk from it, Michael, like Luke Skywalker get did in the second. Star Wars. Blue milk. <laughs> Just keep milking it until it turns blue. Benjamin, speaking of milking things well past their sell-by date, <laughs> Indiana Jones 5 is coming out, and it seems oh. to be relying heavily on de-aging. Um, it seems to be, I, I would uh, I would hazard to guess, the good 60% of that film is going to be backwards and forwards with de-aging. It certainly looks like it, doesn't it? Also, I find it hilarious that they've chosen Mads Mikkelsen, Um as as the the main antagonist, who is not the same age as Harrison Ford, so de aging him is more like a quick lick of paint, being like, "Oh look, it's mm. just Mads Mickelson." It's oh, it's younger Mads Mickelson. It's just Mads Mickelson without a little bit of grey hair. But Michael, um, it looks to be a return to a more classic Indiana Jones, maybe. Well, certainly the music would have us believe that. Yeah, they were they were really they were really counting on that sonic memory to kind of kick in and really guide you to a nostalgia treasure trove. Bloody your favorite and mine, Michael Phoebe Waller Bridge, is the goddaughter of a character we've never met before. Yeah, um, it seems to be everybody's favorite uh, character actor, Toby Kebbell. Is that his name? Yeah, I think it's Toby Kebbell. But Toby Kebbell, who is apparently a great pal of Indiana Jones, so much so that we didn't see him in any of the movies. <laughs> Very good. We've only we've only spent a couple of hours in Indiana Jones, and Harrison Ford isn't like a hundred. So you know, there's a lot of stuff that could have happened in his life that we didn't get to see. Ah, get out of here, Michael. You had your perfect setup, though. You had Marcus from the original three films. Just make it Marcus's daughter. Did they not already use that for something? There's lots of there's lots of weird things that you where you're looking at these films and go, why don't they just why didn't they just make it his daughter? He's had a life. Yeah. He had that mysterious son who's presumably not going to be in this. Who's now dead. I, 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 we just got rid of it's him. It's gonna start with his funeral, I suppose. Yeah, oh, that'd be poor a classic. Mutt got hit by a train. Yeah, Mutt and Miriam got hit by the same train. Um, <laughs> they both got hit by the train while they were combing their greasy hair. Yeah, and that's the end of that, Michael. That's the end of that. Um, no, for some reason, um, we're, we're, I think we're just going to forget all about that one. Um, I think we're just going to be like, what? What fourth movie? What are you talking about? This is the fourth At movie. At one point in the trailer, Ben, does he say, I've been on three adventures, precisely three, and no more or less? Yeah, I think that was an exact quote from Indiana Jones in the trailer. <laughs> it's like, I, I've, I've only ever had three adventures. Yeah. Don't, don't ask me about any others. I hurt my leg when I fell off that spaceship. Hey, Harrison, that was a different film. No, it wasn't. They're all in-universe. In I spoke to George myself. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's just the way it's going to go. Um, touch of Rick Sanchez in your Harrison Ford. There. Is it? Well, I think there's probably a touch of Harrison Ford and Rick Sanchez, let's be honest. But anyway... Um, oh, Come here to me. I, I look, look. It's, it's a classic, bloody Indiana Jones. I love Indiana Jones, not the fourth one, obviously, but I love Indiana Jones, Michael. I'll probably go see it. It'll be a nice little nostalgia boost. I think it's going to be maybe a bit awkward to sometimes watch Harrison Ford swing a punch and go, "That's an eighty-year-old man. He can't swing a punch." Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet you he can. 
They might not be very effective, but I bet you Harrison Ford is punching more people now than he ever did. Well, there was that famous incident on the set of Blade Runner 2049 where he socks old Ryan Gosling quite hard. Um, oh! He, he forgot to, yeah, he forgot to pull a punch on set. And, uh, oh, is that what happened to Ryan Gosling's face? That's what happened to Ryan Gosling's face, Michael. Is that why he so looks so weird in the new trailer for Barbie? Very nicely done, Michael. Very nicely segued. So there's a few reasons he looks so weird, Michael, and they're quite clever. So uh, we got the first proper trailer for Barbie this week, Michael. Not the not the 2001 parody um, that we originally got as a teaser trailer. This was our first glimpse at the Barbie world. What is this? And the Barbie world is, uh, well, Michael, if we're going to be very, very academic about it, it's um, a hyper simulacrum. It's a, it's a perfect world. It's a perfectly idealized world. Um, Go on. That adheres to the rules of the Barbie universe, where you have multiple Barbies. Um, Everyone's Barbie. And, but nothing is confusing, because they're all <laughs> Barbies and they're all defined, and that's, and that's how it works. Um, now, we're getting quite Are a all few... All of the women Barbie and all of the men Ken? Yes, that's how it works. That is the world okay. of Barbie. Um, and that's absolutely okay. fine. Um, and the way that works, Michael, is is pretty interesting. So we're not getting anything like the Barbie world that we've come to expect. So it's not a sugar-sweet world. And judging from the fact that it's Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig who are behind this, Noah Baumbach is part of the writing. And as we all know, Michael, Noah Baumbach is an in-depth writer um, who takes a look at family dysfunction and hyper-realities uh, a la Marriage Story or Noah and the Whale, or the, I can't remember, the Meyerowitz Chronicles. There we go. Got it in the end. I've, I've not seen or heard of any of those things. Yeah, that's fine, Michael. But he's he's a pretty he's a pretty good man for a deconstruction, Michael. He enjoys it. Um, oh. And he likes, to do, he likes to do a dysfunctional family, and more importantly, an unhappy dysfunctional person. So I think that gives us a pretty big oh. hint at what we're dealing with. And then if we look at the film's director, Michael, Greta Gerwig is the woman director of the hour. Um, probably most famously for us, Michael Benjamin. directed... Le- yeah? I think we generally refer to woman directors as directors. Yeah, no, I didn't. I called her a woman director, and I'll get to that in a second. Okay, right, um, right, right. Or directress, so, if you want. Directress, yeah, that'll go well. Um, so she did Lady Bird with Saoirse Ronan, her off the island. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did the 2019 Little Women adaptation. Oh, which garn- very good, with Pug. Yeah, yeah with Pug, um, which garnered yeah. high praise. And more recently, she did White Noise on Netflix with Adam Driver about a dysfunctional family in a hyper-reality of a perfect nuclear family that's falling apart. Hold on a minute, Benjamin. <laughs> yeah. That's right on the nose of what you've just said about this Barbie film. It is, Michael. So the Barbie film is currently going through what can only be described as one of the greatest guerrilla marketing campaigns of all time. They just made um, a template for a meme and everyone's gone mad for it. And everyone's gone mad for it. So that's that's golden strike number one, Michael, right? That's, that's the pretty genius part yes. there. The other thing that you'll notice is that people are having a go at Ryan Gosling. And that's really, really interesting <laughs> because the number one criticism that's coming out is, is Ryan Gosling not a bit old to be playing this character? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They should have got this... 30-year-old Ryan Gosling. Now, Michael, that's exactly the point of the film. And that's exactly the point that someone like Greta Gerwig in the type of directing and stories that she enjoys would be trying to make. It's very, very interesting. And there's a there's kind of a marketing conspiracy theory behind this, Michael, that the commentary we're seeing online is very much manufactured by the movie's marketing department to oh, directly highlight the sexism that is more commonly directed at women in these roles than it is at men. Um, the reason that Ryan Gosling looks so weird is intentional because Ryan Gosling has aged out of the eye candy role. Oh, um, I see. And there's a little bit of that going on. When we look at those posters, Michael, that are memes, as you quite accurately pointed out, mm. one of the things is Barbie is everything. That's the tagline that Margot Robbie's poster get. Yeah. And Ken gets, Ken is just Ken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what we get. And I think, Michael, we're going to see that on repeat. We're going to see a very competent Barbie in the form of Margot Robbie, who is going to strike out on her own break out of the hyper-simulacrum of the Barbie world, the Barbie Malibu world, and we're going to have Ken as kind of a tagger-on, a kind of a schlubby, down-on-his-look loser, Michael. 
A real Jake Johnson type character. A, re- a real Jake Johnson type character, Michael. Exactly. Um, and I think what we're going to get, Michael, it looks to have some very, very strong comedic chops. I'll beat you off right now is quite funny, Michael. Oh, yeah. I, I won't Everybody lie. Everybody loves it. That made yeah. me laugh. That made me laugh. Simu Liu knocking it out of the park as Asian Ken. He's in everything now. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's quite interesting about this, Michael, is the deep Barbie cuts on the lore that we're getting. We're getting deep Barbie deep lore bar- here. Deep Barbie lore. Okay, right. We are. We are. I feel like we've missed. I feel like we missed a trick by not doing an episode on deep Barbie lore. We could have got a woman well, I, on. I, I think we still. I think we still might, um, Michael. I think we still Very might. Very good. Um, one of the characters that we got, and um, one of the characters that you saw. Um, there, uh, Michael Sarah is one of the Barbie dolls, and you could see that he was. Um, he's he's quite clearly possibly homosexually coded because he gets very excited when both Kens are talking about beaching each other off. Um, mm. And you can see that he plays Alan Michael, um, who is a who is the best friend of Ken in oh. in a nineteen sixties run of Barbie dolls, um, and he's there. He just pops up on the beach. Um, so he's playing Alan, Ken's best friend, um, within Barbie World. It is absolutely fucking fascinating, Michael. And he's not the only deep cut um, that we got from the trailer. The other one that we got um, when we saw the thing is Midge. Um, Midge is the, the hell is Midge? <laughs> yeah. So here we go. Midge is a pregnant doll character that was released in 1963. Um, she became pregnant and was to have a child um, within the canon of the Barbie Malibu universe. And then um, she just kind of got sidelined. She she had oh, her yeah. baby um, oh, yeah. and parents associations got very upset in the 1960s that this was a thing. Um, and she just got sidelined as a character. But she's there again in the character posters for this film. So I think we're going to get a very, very unique deconstruction of the early gender roles of the 1960s onwards uh, from the point of view of Noah Baumbach, noted chronicler of the dysfunctional American family, and Greta Gerwig, noted analyst of the repressed role of women in society. I think it's going to be good. I can't wait for about two years from now when Netflix releases a version starring Robbie Amell called Popular Children's Doll. (laughs) I can't wait. I can't wait. Without any of the subtext. Funnily, funnily enough, Michael, I would watch the fuck out of a Robbie Amell-centered Action Man series. Yeah, that would oh, be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> but it good. wouldn't be called Action Man, it would be called Action Person or Action Stunt Man. Action Something Paul. generic. Something generic <laughs> with me, the world's most generic man, Robbie Amell. Very good stuff, Benjamin. What I really love about the last 15 minutes is that you have just spent more time on our pop culture, science fiction and comic book podcast, where we just poo-pooed Star Wars lore and then you've gone and done a deep dive on Barbie lore Michael, Great this is new stuff. lore this is like this is new lore and it's it's one of the, the exciting things about this Michael is it's non-contradictory lore um, because they've they've extrapolated this outside of its regular field this isn't canon Barbie this is an examination of Barbie as a concept and that makes it fucking great I All don't... of our fans who are Star Wars fans are now sitting there going, how dare you brush aside Grand Admiral Thrawn and then spend five minutes telling me about Midge, the pregnant Barbie. But that's fucking fascinating! <laughs> Get out of here! Midge, the pregnant Barbie, is infinitely more interesting than Thrawn. The most exciting oh, thing about... No. <laughs> the most exciting... Fuck you! And the most exciting <laughs> thing about Grand Admiral Thrawn is who's going to play him. And if it's not Jason Isaacs, what's the fucking point? What's the point? Anyone could play Midge. Who's playing Midge the Pregnant Barbie? Uh, I need to look that up now. Hang on. Um, oh, great stuff. Uh, Midge Barbie. <laughs> Who's playing Midge the Pregnant Barbie, Ben? I'd love to know. Who's playing Midge the Pregnant Barbie? Oh, you're going to screw me. You're go- oh, no, anyway, it doesn't matter. Oh, who is yeah. it? Go on. Oh, no. Hang on. Who, who is it? Damn it. It's who is noted it, comedic actress. Yes. Emerald Fennel. <laughs> Emerald Fennel. I've never heard of her. Emerald Fennel. Um, That's a great name. I can't. It's a great name. Emerald Fennel. Benjamin. Yes. The movie that we're both currently most excited for is surprisingly enough not Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. But schlocky mid-budget film Renfield. Oh, Michael, I can't wait to see a bit of Renfield. I can't wait <laughs> Looks crap. to see. Looks crap, but I still can't wait to see. Shite. It. 
Have you seen the amazing interview with Nicolas Cage where he explains the motivation for his camp depiction of Dracula is his own father? Um, oh, go on. Yeah, so this he plays a very um, a hyper camp version of Dracula, um, but apparently it's based quite heavily on his own papa. Um, and the the strange kind of needling rhetoric that he used to employ against Nicolas Cage as an actor. He was like, you'll never be an actor. It just won't happen. You're just not going to make it. And so apparently um, Nicolas Cage is channeling all of that into his version of Dracula. That's fascinating, Benjamin. And I've also just realised, doesn't Nicolas Cage have a direct line to one of the biggest Dracula movies of all time? Yeah, his uncle is Francis Ford Coppola, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that. Yeah, <laughs> is no. his father... Is that not why you watched his... the movie Dracula? No. No, no. Completely unrelated. I've only just remembered that Nicolas Cage is a Coppola when you That's brought that up. Amazing. Oh, Absolutely Michael, I assumed, I assumed that was the exact reason that you were bringing it up. And I was slowly queuing you in to uh, to bring that up. Um, Michael, nope. no. Um, Nicolas Cage's father is August Coppola. Um, who is a literature professor in his own right, but he's the brother of Francis Ford Coppola. So that is his great connection to Nicolas Cage is his nephew. Um, and did Gary Oldman also base his portrayal of Dracula off of August Coppola? No, he did not. He did not. Oh, well, that is a real shame. Benjamin. It is, yeah. We put up one of our famous Sure Look, Sure Listen podcast polls that Michael, we do every Monday. Michael, it went so well. <laughs> Each one is going better than the last. We've never had as much um, social media traction as we have in the last couple of months. What's going these. on? But anyway, what we put up was the best, the best on-screen Dracula. We put up one of our polls, Benjamin, and we put up who's the best on-screen Dracula. We and did. what I think you've done on purpose is chosen four pretty obscure ones. Chav! I went for the deep cuts, Michael. I'm all about the lore this week, Michael. The deep lore of Dracula and Barbie. So, very good. So, we put up, we put up on the poll, Benjamin. We put up, first of all, Gary Oldman from 1992's or 1993's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, from Francis then Ford the Coppola. the next person, Ben. Yeah. We put up Clays, is that how you pronounce that? Uh, I think it's Clays, but yeah, go on. Clays, Clays Bang. Yeah, from twenty twenty, the BBC's Dracula. In twenty twenty, yeah. In twenty twenty, you've put up Adam Sandler, who I forgot was a Dracula, but yes, he was a Dracula in Hotel Transylvania. He has been a Dracula four times in the Hotel Transylvania series. Wow, he's probably been more Draculas than nearly anybody. Yes, he's been the most consistent Dracula. <laughs> and then you put up Owen Shaw from the Fast and the Furious series. And I think you meant Luke Evans. Fuck you. You know for a fact I put <laughs> Luke Evans in the notion. And you know for a fact that you handle our poll posting, you little shit. <laughs> Uh, anyway, he didn't do great on the poll. It was a great day in the parish for Gary Oldman, Benjamin. He didn't quite run away with it, but he got 42% of the votes. I tell you what's embarrassing, Michael, is how many votes bloody Adam Sandler in Hotel Transylvania got. Because <laughs> he's he number two at 32%, Michael. 32%. One out of every three. That is one out of every three people voted for Adam Sandler as the all-time greatest screen Dracula. Michael, we also had Clay's Bang from 2020. He only got 16%. And then somebody, Michael, voted for Fast and yes. Furious Dracula. Ridiculous. <laughs> I think it was me. I think it was probably you. I think it was probably you, Michael. Um, but, Michael, we also put it up to other people because we I knew, Michael, that I'd be stoking the ire of true Dracula fans by not including yeah. a single member of the traditional Dracula, Dracula artistic pantheon. All right, go on. So Wayne Talbot got in touch with us. Wayne Talbot's a good pal Wayne of Wayne Talbot, the dungeon master from the best Irish live play D&D show, Sorcery and Shenanigans. Yeah, so Wayne Talbot got in touch with us one, two, three, four, <laughs> five times, Michael, to give us a few different choices. Times. Yeah, Christopher Lee. Go on. A classic. A classic. A yeah. classic. Bella Lugosi, a second classic. Probably a first classic. Franklin Jella. 
which I Frank can't Langella, say. Frank the very tall, the very tall, creepy fella. Yeah, I can't say it very well. Jack Palance played Dracula at one point, Michael, which I didn't know. What did Jack Palance play Dracula in? I'm not sure. I'm going to look it up now. Give me a second. Okay. Um, and then the other one was Duncan Rieger. Duncan Rieger. Who the hell so, is that then? Wayne sorted us out with quite a few kind of deep cuts. The old lore, Michael. The old lore of Dracula. Um, uh, Duncan Rieger is... um, Duncan Rieger was Dracula. Uh, Oh, I have it here. Hang on. Oh, this is fantastic podcasting. Wayne, what I want you to know is thank you so much for sending that in to us. I'm sorry that I botched it so horribly bad. Um... Duncan Rieger was Dracula in the Monster in Squad. In Monster Squad. In Monster yes, Squad. He was. He, he was One an of the evil best doer. Draculas. Yes, in Monster Squad, which was a TV series? No, Monster Squad was uh 80s or 90s. Late 80s, 87, 87, 88. Um 87, 88, okay. Where a bunch a bunch of kids th- teamed up with um some classic universal monsters in a kind of Goonies meets classic universal monsters movie. It is great from what I remember I like it. being a child of that era. I like it. I like it. Jack Palance played the titular character in a 1973 adaption of the film. Oh, very good. Never seen it. Yeah. Never seen it myself. It Was sounds he the like best a part Dracula. Uh, 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know if that tells us anything. Probably not then. Probably not Probably then. Probably not the best. But he Dracula. was there. Michael, then the OG Glop got in touch with us. Good old Rachel, the first the glamorous, glamorous lady of podcasting. The glamorous lady of podcasting herself. And she said quite a few things to us as well, Michael. She said, um, you need to get Bella Lugosi in there. So that was that was one. Christopher Lee got a shout out again. And then we just got a simple classic spooky Drax. And I'll yeah, take classic. that. Well, that's yeah. Bella Lugosi and Christopher Lee, isn't it? They're the classic spooky Draculas. They're the classic spooky Draculas. Then we got a good shout out from other pal of the podcast, Shane, who said, bloody oh, Leslie Nielsen, Shane, yeah. Canadian, tra- Canadian treasure, Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen played Dracula in Dracula Dead and Loving It, Benjamin. And you know very well that when I suggested this poll to you, I put Leslie Nielsen on the poll. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I didn't I was put it in overruled. There. Yeah. You didn't. Um, which I think was a crying shame because Leslie Nielsen is one of our generation's greatest Draculas. Yeah, absolutely. And then we got uh, 100%, Michael. But you see, I, I've, sto- I've stoked the ire of all the, of all the kids. Michael, we got, <laughs> we got another deep, uh, deep cut from Cosplay Sheriff as well. Oh, yeah. Um, from the classic TV movie in, the mid to- in 2000. My mom's got a date with a vampire. Mom's got a date with a vampire. <laughs> what? Is, is he a Dracula in that? He's a Dracula. It's um the the man who plays Dracula is um it's yeah, got the go aunt of Sabrina. Oh yeah, aunt it's and got Deck, one yeah, aunt yeah aunt and Deck off off the Sabrinas, and yeah. that Caroline Rhea played her, and then uh, Charles Shaughnessy plays the vampire, the Dracula vampire. Charles is he Shaughnessy. a Dracula or is he a vampire? He's no, he's a Dracula. He's 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 a Dracula, but he's just um, he uses a, an alias, Michael, so he won't be caught out. Alucard, Alucard, a classic Alucard, and then Irish fashionista Triple Seven got in touch with in Castlevania. Yeah. The old Dracula from Castlevania. He's a good. What is a man, Benjamin, if not a bundle of secrets? Is that what he says? Famously I can't remember Castlevania. But Michael, we got loads of people getting in touch with us. It was a great old time. Yeah, did we get anyone else? Did we get anyone else important saying any of the best Draculas? Nobody important, Michael. Um, Benjamin, no. I wrote in. <laughs> I wrote in because once again you ignored me. I wrote in because my favourite Dracula of all time is black shirt half open Gerard Butler from Dracula 2000. He's a sexy Scottish Dracula and he's got his shirt open most of the way down. Uh, How dare you exclude him? Jerry B, Michael. Jerry B. Large and in charge. (laughs) The success of this poll and the number of, the sheer number of Draculas just goes to show you that vampires aside, because we've talked about vampires a few times on the podcast, but Dracula, Count Dracula himself, is nearly a genre in and to himself. Dracula is his own genre, Michael. It's it's, it's, it's Dracula's. 
It's Draculus. So that's what it is. Benjamin, inspired by watching Super Mario Bros. last week. Yeah. And how everything in the 90s was very sexy and sleazy. Yeah. I decided to watch uh, 1993's Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. And I'll tell you what. Very sexy. Very sexy. Too sexy. Uncomfortably sexy at times, Benjamin. I was glad I wasn't watching it with my mum or dad. Lascivious, Michael. Lascivious, a lot of them. The filth of it, Benjamin. There's all sorts of sexiness. The, the erotic charge to this film, Michael, is insane. Unbelievable. Yeah, How many could have been made in the 90s? <laughs> my, one of my favourite moments, Michael. I'll just, ladies and gentlemen, it's rare that Michael will, will bless me with a little play-by-play <laughs> account. But I got, I got a little play-by-play account um, on this particular on. occasion. And um, the first thing that I got from him, Michael, is, look at this armour. I hope this is unnecessarily sexy and sleazy. Um, And it's because... (laughs) It was! Gary Oldman, at the beginning of this film, ladies and gentlemen, is wearing some kind of oiled, muscle-like armour. It it looks like the sinew and muscle of of the human body. Um, And he's romping around. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Another one that I got was... And this this is a direct quote. Does Jonathan have a big dick? Hyphen Lucy Westerna. Um, That's what she says. So it's it, Lucy is a very interesting character in this, and yeah. I think this feeds into what you're going to say because Lucy is absolutely the victim of this movie, one hundred percent. And it seems to mostly be because she's a bit flirty. Yeah, she enjoys a she enjoys a batting of the eyelids. Yeah, yeah. And making a dick joke. Double on top. Referencing that she's heard of a penis. Yeah. And that's good enough reason for her to get killed. Oh, she needs to get the chop, Michael. She needs yeah, to get the chop. not appropriate. She'll be fed on because... by a lascivious creature of the night in a muscle suit. Exactly, Ben. Exactly. Because the main lesson of Dracula, especially of Bram Stoker's Dracula or 1993's Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula, is... Don't be trusting women to be looking at sexy pictures and then talking to foreigners. Look, foreigners, if you let your woman talk to a foreigner, you've lost her to the forces of darkness. It's all over. Yeah, it's if you let over. your woman look at sexy pictures or meet foreigners, then you're you're in a lot of trouble now. And the only thing that's going to get you out of that trouble is gathering a bunch of men and going and beating them up. Now, lads, if anyone from Aintu, the Irish Nationalist Party, is listening to this and feels the urge to clip it out of context, <laughs> fuck off. Piss off. Stop that. <laughs> Down the editing software. It was, being... the, it was the 1890s. <laughs> Nobody liked foreigners then. We're being silly. We're being intentionally silly and facetious. Um, come here to me. Michael, this what is, is 1993's uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis Ford Coppola is a very faithful adaptation of the novel. Um, reasonably. Reasonably. Right down to the themes of that lad looks a bit foreign. Best not let him talk to Lucy. Ah, too fucking late. Um, I don't think he ever talks to Lucy. Lucy just gets picked out. I think it's Lucy's sheer lasciviousness attracts Dracula to her yeah, in the first so place. Dracula is attracted to, to corrupted forms of the West, Michael. And because... Um, because Lucy has watched one too many Carry On films, she she is therefore mm. a prime target for corruption by Dracula. That's that's how it works, yeah. you know. Well deserved, in my opinion. well well deserved, Michael. To quote another one, <laughs> to quote another absolute gem that I got sent in the middle of your viewing pleasure, um, <laughs> an autopsy for Lucy. No, 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 not at all. I just want to chop off her head and cut out her heart because Van Helsing that's, in this, Michael, is a maniac. He's an absolute lunatic. Imagine a world where vampires weren't real and Van Helsing was just going around being that much of an absolute loose unit. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins charging around, beheading women's corpses left, right and centre. For the vampires, you see. For the vampires. We can't let them live, Jonathan. We can't let them live. All right. Settle down. Settle Calm down. yourself down now, Anthony. <laughs> Jesus. Please. That's just... It's just Anthony Hopkins. He didn't even read the script. Yeah. Uh, just <laughs> running around set saying, take her head now, boy. Take her head now. 
You must. Take it off. <laughs> Take it off. Take it off of the root. Um, but Michael, that that kind of, this is kind of the, the early days of the, the Madonna whore complex, Michael. Do you know what I mean? That weird Freudian concept no. that you can either love a woman or fuck her and you can't have anything in between. Now, very outdated these days, Michael, but has become kind of a keystone in a lot of horror things. Famously parodied in things like Cabin in the Woods, where you have your teenagers who are a bit more promiscuous and you have your mm. good, innocent teenagers who make it to the end of the film. Now, it's an yes. unspoken rule in the likes of Friday the 13th that the teenagers who are a little bit more loose, perhaps. Yeah, Lucy, um, for example. Like Lucy, for example, are targeted by the killer. Not an outright thing. In this, it is because she's a bit looser that she's targeted. And mm. it's overtly said so. It's overtly said so several times in the novel that, you know, well, you know, Lucy didn't really avert her eyes enough. So that's why Dracula yeah. picked on her. That's why that's why Dracula's coming. So I'm she not saying kept her top she should have kept her top buttoned all the way up. I'm not saying that, you know, Lucy had it coming. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but you know, in the world of Dracula, Anthony Hopkins saw it coming and he was like, Well, behead her. Take it away. Put it off. Um and that's that's the way that it worked. Michael, we saw a return of the the Lucy trope and I I think we see it in an even darker form in 2020. Um so there's a very famous blink and you'll miss it kind of horror moment in the 2020 Dracula um and spoilers for the Dracula that came out in the BBC in 2020. Is it the bit where he contacts all of the other vampires on his iPad? Uh, yeah, so there's that bit. He he doesn't contact the other vampires. He just contacts Nell Renfield, Michael. Um, he gets in touch with a Renfield, who is apparently uh, a thing. But you'll see here, there's a very grotesque version. If you take a look at the photograph that I have up there on the slideshow. Um, oh, I can see that, but the listeners can't. Yeah, so it's a very grotesque depiction of Lucy from the 2020 thing. And it was a real jump scare at the time because Lucy is, is Dracula's first victim in England. That's the, the famous kind of... Um, that's her place in literary history. And in this, Michael, Lucy is a, a young woman who is kind of going off with an older man away from her friends in the evening. She met him on Tinder um, and she oh, runs off with well, this man. Killed. Yeah. And one of the tragedies that we run into with Lucy is um, she gets she gets burnt to a crisp one of the mornings, Michael, and she becomes this very grotesque kind of corrupted youth. And we only see the world from Lucy's perspective from quite a while. Um, and she's in kind of a delusional state. She thinks she's as young and as beautiful as she ever was. And she runs into her former fiance, Michael, who we know from the novel um, run in. She has her her loyal uh, she has Quincy, the American. Yeah. And she has, I can't remember the name of the gentleman. Arthur? Arthur, yeah. So we have Quincy and Arthur. Arthur is the typical kind of English gentleman, and Quincy is the typical brash American. And Lucy fancies winking at Quincy every once in a while, and that makes her an absolute harlot in the context of the book. Um, but we see her here, Michael, and she's completely corrupted. She's an absolute monster of a creature. Um, and it's very unfair, because Lucy is just a vampire, like Dracula, but Dracula gets to remain relatively attractive within the narrative of 2020 Dracula. Um, but Lucy gets turned into this horrific creature true but in the uh, in the in the Bram Stoker's Dracula Francis Ford Coppola when she doesn't she just becomes a pretty standard vampire lady yeah she's a sexy English rose a sexy English a rose sexy evil vampire and then yep. gets killed by Anthony Hopkins so that's that's the bit Michael that's pretty much lifted bit for bit from the classic Irish the other classic Irish vampire text Carmilla um, by Sheridan Le Fanu. Um, so Sheridan Le Fanu was a, a contemporary of Bram Stoker's a little bit earlier, and he created two sexy vampire ladies, uh, one of whom was the sexy vampire countess Carmilla, uh, and the oh. other of whom was a young lady who was in the thrall of that sexy woman. Um, and um, Lucy is, is very clearly a Carmilla kind of stand-in um, within the text oh, of Dracula. Oh, before Dracula? Yeah, it's a little bit before oh. Dracula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, mm. So it's an interesting little bit of, of uh, progeny there. Um, literary progeny as you go along. Progeny? Mm. Progeny? Progeny. Progeny. Um, progeny. But anyway, Michael, go on. Tell me more about this fantastic 1993 film. Well, the other interesting thing I thought about the 1993 film, Benjamin, was that there's a lot about it being a blood-borne disease. 
And of course, the 90s were the height of the AIDS pandemic and scare. Yeah. yeah. So the whole idea of the, the vampire bite being um, akin to syphilis is my one of my favorite lines from Van Helsing is he says that the civilization of the world has progressed along with the civilization of the world. Yeah, he's a, he's and, a buddy. Uh, Anthony, that, again, that was just Anthony Hopkins. That was just Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, they yeah. said, can you say that on camera, Anthony? It's, I thought I was. I, I um, thought I thought it was part of the script. But yeah, it, there's very much a kind of a fear. That's they're the kind of they're the three kind of pillars of the fear of Dracula in the in in that story. Go on. Foreign men coming and taking our women. No good. Um women having loose morals therefore getting themselves killed. Fuck sake, Lucy. And I think that I mean, obviously, people in the eighteen nineties were afraid of syphilis, but I think a lot of the bloodborne scare of it comes from the nineties. I think they might have in the nineties re-emphasized that because everyone was worried about their blood. Yeah. So I, I think when we when we look at the novel Dracula, what we get a lot about is corruption, Michael, um, and the corruption is a stand-in for whatever you're having yourself, whatever malign influence on perfect English society you might encounter is corruption within the original novel. The 1993 Dracula definitely leans on the blood element an awful lot more in terms of um, it being a much closer parallel to AIDS and bloodborne diseases and things like that. There may have been a hint of TB fear in the original Dracula novel, you know, a fear of disease passing through the blood and pathogen and that kind of thing. But Francis Ford Coppola is definitely tapping into a little bit of the AIDS crisis um, when Everyone he's portraying his Dracula. terrified of blood. Very, yeah. very scared of blood. Um, and one of the things that we see, Michael, we, we see again and again that vampires are always kind of a vehicle for corruption um, and disease and decay and, and things like that. And it depends. Sometimes you get an Anne Rice vampire and they're very sexy. Um, Antonio Banderas Antonio Banderas as a bizarrely bushy eyebrowed bloody Armand Armand the vampire running up and down walls yeah running up and down walls like nobody's business like nobody's business Uh, but Michael what we've seen far more in the last couple of decades is the return of the ew vampire the gross vampire Um, and I think one of the first instances we get of that in a modern retelling is in From Dusk Till Dawn in 1996 um, oh, very good! So, I didn't even know that was a Dra- Dracula film. It's not. It's not really a Dracula film. It's a vampire film more than a Dracula film, Michael. Um, but what we get in that, Michael, is gross and ooey and horrible um, vampires, and it's a real shift away from romanticized and sexualized vampires. Anne Rice did a lot of damage to vampires as a concept, Michael. We got the super sexy vampire from Anne Rice. Um, she took all the kind of Victorian waifish elements of Dracula and just kept that instead of the the mm. bits where Jonathan Harker was like, God, he's a grotesque man. God almighty, this oh, man is uncomfortable disgusting. to look at. Um, oh, he's horrible. One of the things that I always find so interesting, Michael, is in, in the Anne Rice sexy depictions of vampires, they're very, very hairless. The original Dracula, Michael, is described as having a big, bushy white moustache. Mm. Um... That's that Dracula is canonically a big bushy bearded man. Um like Santa. <laughs> yeah, like Santa, but he doesn't have the lower bit. He just has a big bushy mustache. Um oh, very good. And it's it's kind of silly, but he's not grotesque in Anne Rice's depictions. He's we got we we get Twilight at a certain point in our cultural thing. They're all sexy vampires as well. But in 1996, almost as a direct response to this, we get the bizarre reptilian vampires that are a little bit Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but a lot deformed creatures of the night. Um, mm. kind of thing and the most famous kind of jump scare of that film and again spoilers for a film that came out in 1996 is the Salma Hayek transformation where Salma Hayek yes. goes from an absolute bombshell of a woman to just a genuinely unnerving beast of the night very creepy um, snaky neck very creepy snaky neck no good and we saw that Michael we saw that played with a little bit more um, and deformity becomes the symbol of otherness and as you said the the fear of blood transfusion and AIDS making people sick and weak was a very very common thing I don't know if you remember Michael 2010's Daybreakers with Ethan Hawke and Willem Dafoe you remember that film? 
I do. Yeah. Is Willem Dafoe a vampire hunter or a vampire? So he started out as a vampire and he became a vampire hunter, Michael. He's the first vampire oh. to successfully detransition um, from vampire status. Oh. Don't say detransition on this, Ben. We're going to get demonetized. I didn't mean it like that. Get out of here. <laughs> Aintu is just furiously clipping everything we have. <laughs> Chip that. That's gold. Gold. Um, fucking Aintu. Fuck Aintu. Um, anyway, come here to me. In that one, Michael, the society of vampires, everyone has become a vampire. Um, because a vampire everyone was is a, vampires. Everyone is vampires, Michael, because it was offered as a better way to live a society. But it's a classic capitalist deconstruction, Michael, because everybody transitions to a higher level of life, but then they run out of resources to maintain that, Michael. Hashtag late stage capitalism. Hashtag late stage capitalism. That's on your bingo cards for today, ladies and gentlemen. That was Ben's late stage bingo. Just cross it off there. That's your one for this week. But Michael, in this society, uh, vampires begin to cannibalize themselves when they're when they're in the lower strata. Um, and once again, the corruption of blood, the decay of blood, comes into it, where vampires feed on their own and they become lesser beings, uh, as depicted by the little picture that you can see there. If you'd like to see what that looks like, ladies and gentlemen, just look up um, vampires on Daybreakers from two thousand. 2010 and you'll see that um but that uh gross ooey transformation um is a huge part of dracula um the the monstrous deformity the decay that dracula represents was very much a literal depiction of the corrupting influence of foreign people of diseases of loose morals take your pick all of these things kind of it's interesting because all of these things represent pretty much I, I i think in a way i i think and you know this is having seen the having seen the Bela lugosi films and some of the christopher lee films and and Classics. monster squad and dracula's appearance in buffy the vampire slayer and Dracula's dracula's appearance in dracula untold the 2014 attempt at making dracula a marvel superhero which having didn't seen work. all of those dracula's ben no, it didn't work. It was Luke Evans and it was not very good. But having seen all of those, Francis Ford Coppola's 1993's Bram Stoker's Dracula is, I I think, pretty much the seminal Dracula. It's a spot on Dracula, Michael. It's great stuff. It's It's fantastic stuff. It's not, it doesn't adhere 100% to the book. No. As not you a, well know. Not 100%, For example, Michael. it makes... It makes it pretty clear, and you know, this has almost become Dracula canon since then, but it makes it pretty clear that as far as Francis Ford Coppola was concerned, Dracula, Count Dracula, was Vlad Tepes. Yeah, that's not canon and that's, in the book. That's pretty much canon now, though. Yeah. These all, days, that has yeah. pretty much become Dracula canon. Yeah, Vlad the Impaler was Dracula. Yeah, and you know, it wasn't always. Pretty much until the 90s, he wasn't. They were two separate grotesque monsters of history. And they've kind of merged together into one, which I think is a fascinating bit of... I don't know what the what the study of that would be. Some sort of social anthropology sort of thing? Oh, it's know. definitely an anthropology argument. It's, uh, the, the, but it's, the... uh, it's a fascinating thing to watch two characters blend into one uh, through fiction. Yeah. But the... every aspect of vampires that you're bringing up now... The super sexy, like, elegant Victorian gentleman vampire. Dracula is that in this film. Yeah. Or the horrible, deformed, batwing monster. Dracula is also that in this film. Or the, like, inspiring madness and bug-eating and gross devotion from Tom Waits as Renfield. He's that in this film. And he's all of these things for really only a scene or two each. Because this film bangs along at incredible speed it does it just lashes but, along it's because they were trying to keep uh, Anthony Hopkins from going completely off the rails <laughs> well actually it's because it was supposed to be a, mo- a miniseries I don't know if you know that about this I didn't know that at all watched, get out of I town I watched the Francis Ford Coppola yeah it was meant to be a miniseries originally and the director was uh, approaching Winona Ryder to appear in it hot young thing of the time Winona Ryder and she brought it to, to she mentioned it to Coppola and he said I'll do it and I'll it became do a it. movie. But uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there for what we're talking about. Because what, what I'm saying is every aspect of vampires that you've brought up, be it from the sexy to the grotesque or the fear of otherness or the fear of, you know, bloodborne diseases, all of these basically stem out of a single scene from this movie, which therefore also come from a, a passage in the book. Yeah. 
he really has the most bizarre legacy from start to finish. He is such an enduring figure. Um right down to loyal adaptation to off the wall adaptations to weird extrapolations i don't know if you remember the uh, nbc version of dracula with jonathan reese myers do you remember that where he was an american philanthropist kind of character and he was coming to london to was that not sherlock no it's jonathan reese myers (laughs) jonathan reese myers is dracula um, I do not remember that. Ah, uh, you're just as well. But he—they keep trying to bring him back. They keep trying to bring him back and do new and interesting things with him, Michael. And it's pretty damn interesting. Um, he just mm. has this real enduring legacy. Whether he be grotesque, whether he be ludicrously attractive, whether he be chased by Anthony Hopkins or Hugh Jackman in the guise of Van Helsing, it doesn't matter. He just keeps coming back, Michael. He just keeps coming back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's unstoppable. One of the most interesting things, of course, is that Dracula is public domain. He is now, yeah. And one of the last major characters who'll slip into public domain because the world is currently in the grip of mega corporations stopping public domain rules from applying to more recently created characters. Yes. So Dracula was created, what, 125 years ago, something like that? It was 1890s, 1897. Um, So probably one of the last like huge characters who'll slip into public domain in that way. Yeah. So it means everyone can just put them in, put him into their mythology. So there's a Dracula in the Buffy universe. There's a Dracula in the Marvel universe. There's a Dracula in the Blade universe. There's a there's a Dracula every single universe. Has a Dracula. Where there's presumably a Dracula in the Star Wars universe. Everyone's a Dracula. Everyone's a Dracula. Yeah, it's a whole thing, Michael. Um, we'll have to look into weird Dracula um, parodies for a future episode, Michael, where we look at like Dracula in Star Wars or Dracula in <laughs> medieval, Marvel. you know, in yeah, or you know, I mean, you have things like that. You have, for example, people like Strad in Dungeons and Dragons, who is essentially Dracula. Oh, go on. Um, oh, but anyway, no, we, I, I won't go on, Michael. We don't have time. We've run out of time, ladies and gentlemen. You got your late stage capitalist Dracula from us here uh, this week. You're very, very welcome. You can tick it off the list. Remember, if you get five in a row, ladies and gentlemen, you can mail it into us, and you'll get a shout out on the podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, it'll be great stuff. Yeah. Benjamin, the entire bingo card is just late-stage capitalism. That's, <laughs> That's it. That's all times. you have to do. It's a real easy competition to enter. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, did we miss any of your favourite depictions of yes. the Count with the most? Shut up, Michael. I'm not talking to we you. Did, I'm talking though. to the listeners. Um, we forgot Count Duckula bit. Oh, Count Duckula. What a classic. What a classic. Everyone gen- loves Count Duckula. Ah, noted children's cartoon character, Count Duckula. Um, I don't know who else we forgot. My- oh, we forgot Blade's Dracula. We forgot Blade's weird Dracula, the Dracula of yeah, the yeah. cinematic, <laughs> the early Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, yeah, bizarre yeah. stuff. Everyone has Dracula. Everyone has Dracula. Ladies and gentlemen, get Batman in touch with us. Batman fought Dracula. Batman fought Dracula. He did. Get in touch with us in a Sherlock few different Holmes pl- fought Dracula. <laughs> For fuck's sake, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can get in touch with us in a few different places. You can find us on Instagram at Sherlock Should Listen Podcast. Oh, yeah. Can you? Yeah, uh, shit! I fucked You've up the ending. Me completely yeah, I've thrown it completely. <laughs> you can find us on the interwebs at www.shamrabyog.com. Uh, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G dot com. It means tiny room in Irish. You can find us on Instagram at Shalukshalism Podcast. Yes, you can. It means Shalukshalism in English. It does indeed. You can find us, ladies and gentlemen, um, on TikTok these days. We're up there on the TikToks. Um, And you can find us, ladies and gentlemen, the best way to get in touch with us and to be updated on all the interesting things in life is to get up on that Discord, baby. Hop up on it. Yeah. The link is in the description, as they say, below. Below. That's it from us, ladies and gentlemen. Bye-bye. I want to suck your blood. Next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, though. Yeah. <laughs>